Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies. Everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Hi, I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Welcome to my new podcast, Focused on the Future, Keys to Building a Profitable, Sustainable, and Impactful Business. And I am excited to be partnering with wealthmanagement.com on this. This series will focus on what firms need to embrace to ensure their growth and success for the future. And you'll hear from industry leaders and advisors on what is working for them. The content is directed at firms that are already successful and looking to stay that way, and also for those who are focused on taking their firms to that next level. I have a great lineup of guests in store, and today is no different. I'm talking with Tyrone Ross, the CEO and co-founder of Turnkey Labs, and president and founder of 401 Financial. Welcome, Tyrone. Woohoo! Hello. <laughs> Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. So happy for you to be here. And it was uh, just last week we were on a panel together at the Edge event. Um, mm-hmm. Got some pretty great feedback from your comments, and um, and I'm just really glad that we can reconnect with you here today and um, share some of your thoughts with a with even a larger audience. So thanks again for being here. Of course. I, I before we start, I do need to say this. There was a quote that I came across yesterday, I believe, and it was just alluding to the fact that when you are around people who are operating in their purpose. You can make no mistake about it because the feeling, the emotion that you get is just very high vibration. So I think I get that when I'm around you often and obviously the people around you as well. So thank you for being you and I'm looking I'm looking forward to this. Oh, thank you. That's That means so much to me and I feel the same way about you. And it's interesting that you mentioned the word purpose because the, the episode that I shot before with Michael Nathanson, he delves a lot into understanding a person's purpose and how important that is for attracting and retaining top talent. So thank you for that. I I appreciate that. And that, you know, this podcast is really all about the future and what firms and individuals need to be doing to be successful now and in the future as our industry and the people it serves continues to evolve. And I want to start off with asking you to talk a bit about the firms that you recently launched, which are designed with the client of the future in mind. So tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. So I will start with uh, 401 Financial, which is a registered investment advisor that is registered here in California. Um, we are non-discretion AUM, which I think is the first thing that I'm proud of. Um, is because we don't custody on transact on behalf of clients. Um, we are built to be almost like a family office offering in a client's pocket with a target market, 25 to 45, that are do-it-yourselfers, Henry's, if you will, high earners, not rich yet, all of that. But what I wanted to do was reach into the hearts, minds, and souls of people that have never worked with an advisor before, be very particular about our marketing, our branding, our advertising, so people felt like it was for them. So we don't use the term wealth management. We try to stay away from jargon. 
We try to make it very easy for people to feel something and feel compelled to reach out. So the reason why I'm excited about being non-discretionary women going after this group, because it's an underserved group that doesn't necessarily get financial services when they need them, how they need them in the manner that they need them. And that's what we're looking to deliver. And I feel like the client of the future is not going to be built in a way where an AUM model suits them. And also it's going to be a hybrid type of relationship where the client is coming to the advisor for their advice only. Tell me what to do in these particular situations. My assets have nothing to do with that conversation. If they do, great. But I'm just looking for what do I do now? We were expecting one child, we're having twins, right? Child <laughs> off to college, right? Whatever these different things, sick family member, highly concentrated stock, whatever the case may be, I think that's one part of it. And also, when you are not tied to having assets, it makes it so easy to do partnerships and build community and have a, a, a culture of giving as opposed to give me. So I think that's what we're most excited about at 401. Um, really excited about um, the team that we have there. Eric Smith is a CIO. Um, my niece, Amber, who everyone knows, is is our chief of operations. She's a, a light for the industry. And Absolutely. just, I, it's funny, I end every week like saying, oh, I'm so glad she's related to me because she could never leave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, That's good. Yeah. That's like proofing your business, right? To make sure yeah. um, like, okay, she can't, she, the, the top talent can't leave. Right. And and again, I, I said this when we were on stage, but what's awesome is, you know, founder of the firm in his 40s, CIO of the firm, firm in his 30s, right? And then the, the operations, you know, communication and operations director of the firm is in their 20s. So we have those those key groups covered, but can- For the people know, that you're serving you know, too. Yeah. I think that that's really important. You had said 25 to 45 is your target. Yeah. And so that's pretty- important i would imagine that that's um to to showcase that you have the same demographic age demographic mm -hmm. represented in the the building of your firm of yeah. who you're serving mm -hmm. how important has that been to the clients that you currently have onboarded um i'll give a real life example that that happened this morning so one of the things that we do try to do as well is we meet with clients monthly sometimes more we're incredibly flexible when we meet with them i had a 6 30 meeting this morning with a client but she is in her 20s want to do some angel investing and so on and so forth and i'm not the major point of contact with her she works specifically with eric but in this particular topic she wanted to talk with me um, about my experience building companies and everything else. So it's that that nimbleness that we have and the ability to move and be timely on where that discussion needs to happen. And, and being an older founder, if you will, right? It made some sense with, you know, um to have a conversation with her. But, you know, when she was traveling abroad and and having some other, you know, things that come up in her life, a conversation with Amber made sense or a conversation with Eric made sense, who's a digital nomad himself. As you sit here, he's somewhere in France. <laughs> so good for him. But being a digital nomad, she's about to to move to Mexico City and so on and so forth. So that's where we take most pride. And we can truly, when we say we meet you where we are, where you are, like we do that time zone, life event, age, stage, whatever it is, we we feel like we can meet there. So 
that's one of the things that we feel is really unique. And we were told, oh, it could, you can't meet with clients monthly. And yeah, we do because we built the firm and the technology for them to literally have conversations with us, whatever they'd like. And it's really awesome. Um, and it's not like it's every day all the time. They have lives too, right? Yeah. So, but when they want an answer or they want to reach out to us, it should be very easy for them to do that. So, and it really um, keeps that conversation and that engagement going with the client when you do have a little bit more frequent meetings. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's so interesting that advisors are are acting way more than just someone that's managing their money. And I think that is a trend that you're ahead of, quite frankly, of what the client of the future is going to demand from their advisor. I do want to ask you another question before you move on to what turnkey labs is. And you said that you you purposely stay away from the term wealth management in your marketing and in the communications to your clients. Why is that? Because I feel that the term wealth management is inherently exclusive because folks have been conditioned to believe that wealth is a yacht, a Ferrari, a Porsche, $20 million house. We want to break down that barrier, right? And I use this example. Imagine if a hundred years ago, it was Merrill Lynch personal finance and not Merrill Lynch wealth management. And you walk by Merrill Lynch personal finance and you go, man, we're conditioned to personal finance. Like that feels like it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know how many times when I was at Merrill, right? And shout to all, all my wirehouse babies out there, right? <laughs> there were so many people who I wanted to work with and wanted to work with me, but it couldn't because they didn't have $250,000 or they mm-hmm. didn't have this, 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 and this. So there's nothing wrong with it for a particular segment. But what we feel like is by removing that, we can redefine what wealth is. Well, what is wealth to you? And let us help you define that for yourself and then start to raise a whole generation of investors to go, oh, my wealth is my health. My wealth is the freedom to work wherever I want to work. My wealth is having control over my investments and working with someone to help me manage them. Wealth is the ability to go see my family on the other side of the country whenever I want. You define wealth on your terms. We help you do that. It shouldn't be defined by an industry. That should be defined by you. And what we've found out is... 90 plus percent of our clients are working with an advisor for the first time because they don't feel like they're being sold that. And then we we feel, we've also learned like we have to define financial planning. Like one of our clients asked us flat out, you do financial planning. What's a financial plan? Right. <laughs> so these are all things that we take for granted in the industry. Yep. And if, if I don't have wealth to manage, am I still and then like Am I still valuable to you? Do I do I still can I get help anywhere? And I think that's one of the things that we wanted to solve. And and again, it's fine, as I said on stage, nothing wrong with AUM so long as there are other options. When AUM is the only option, that's a problem. If wealth management is the only term, that's a problem, right? Because here's the other part of it. I have so many young advisors or advisors who don't have multi-billion dollar firms, and how are they judged? You pull up the ADV. Oh, you're only 50 million. You're only 75 million because the industry grades you and and your you know your your success is based on that number. That's not fair. Well, you're a wealth management firm and you only have 75 million in assets. 
Okay. So I feel like yeah, it doesn't show what what quality of advice exactly is being provided. Exactly. It's, like, a, it's yeah. such a great point, Tyrone. Yep. Yeah. It's and and that's what I, I think that's a problem, right? It's it's there's a there's a, a fifty million dollar advisors giving a, a size firm is giving wonderful advice, lifestyle practice to those people in that community in Indiana. Right. And that doesn't mean that Peter Malouk and, and what he's able to do with creative planning and run commercials and do all doesn't mean that they're not serving that demo just as well. But we can't look at it myopically and say, oh, because you don't have two billion dollars, you're not successful or you don't whatever. So it's a, it's a it metastasizes throughout the industry where the advisors are hurt and the public is hurt as well, because Absolutely. now now that 50 million dollar advisor goes, oh, I can't keep serving the mom and pop. I got to go get this, you know, I got to go get the executive. I have to go get whatever. And those people locally were dependent on you to provide them a service. So I don't want us, I, I want to break that cycle. And again, we're just one small firm that is doing it. And I understand I have a privileged ability to do it based on who I am in the industry, but I would, I would be, I wouldn't be doing the industry of a service if I could go as big as I, as I know I could and everything else. But if I didn't take my platform to say, nope, we're going this way follow us you will anyway yep. but come anyway because we're going that way and we're gonna we're i my goal is to make sure that when 401 continues to scale that millions of people get access to financial planning regardless of zip code regardless of color creed denomination race gender don't care and they're going to get it on their terms and it's and we're going to raise up a whole generation of new investors to go man this is an industry that has changed and morphed to fit us, not us having to hit a certain bogey to work with them. You know, so many important things you just said. Um, and it is, you, you take for granted, I mean, I've been in this business, you know, a long time, right? And so you don't even, honestly, you don't even think about how the term wealth management may be perceived by those that that kind of don't have the way that wealth is defined. And I do think that like this next generation of clients that are in their 20s and 30s and early 40s, really 20s and 30s, are going to have a whole different level of expectation. I was at a um I was I, I was having uh drinks with a couple of industry reporters last night that are in their um 20s. And I was asking them a couple of questions about how they felt about certain things. And it's a very different mindset. And so the model that I think has been built and successfully built by a lot of firms is going to have to, again, I'm going to use Michael Nathanson's term, going to have to adapt or become extinct potentially because that new generation of investor is a thinks very differently yep. and they are going to expect different things from their firm. So I really applaud you for, you know, using your platform to kind of, hey, it doesn't mean that you got to change everything tomorrow if you're a firm that's listening to this. But it does mean to maybe take a pause, take a step back and say, is there another model that we can be starting to incorporate into our business? Yeah. And it, it again, I think we we come into this industry thinking that the pie is the pie and you got to figure out a way to get a piece of the pie. 
And one of the things that I've learned building companies and, and being in the startup space is what you realize the most successful people in life in general, they don't look at a market and go, oh, this is the market. They go, I could expand that market, right? Yes. The pie can grow. And then if, if I go to pie, everybody benefits. I get a bigger slice of the pie. So I think that's why I'm looking at this is if we can get more people to start investing, a lot of work to do that, but educate them, expose them, empower them, then get them to invest. Then they start to grow their net worth. We start to put a dent in the in the wealth gap in this country and all these other things. Now you have truly rising tide lifts all boats because those folks are going to get to a point now, hopefully, where they're going to need a bigger firm. And then 401 can stay down here. We have no desire to play up there. And then I we can it. just... Just you're almost like an incubator. In. Yeah, you're almost like an incubator all. of investors yeah. to get them set up to have the confidence yep. to go to a you know larger firm that can that right. meets their needs. And that's hit, so yeah. cool. Yeah, we hit every topic, right? We go from cash and debt management all the way to estate planning, but we go puddle deep. The only thing we go deeper than anyone in the country on is crypto. Right. But everything else, we hit everything. Right. And because we can hit every topic now, they got really complicated estate planning needs or tax planning or get that out of here. We'll outsource that. Right. We can find somebody to get it out. But we just want to uncover these things. Right. Yeah. Financial traumas as well. All of these things, the behavioral side of it, relationship with money. And then as their their ancillary service needs, we do that. But and again, it's a good segue. But once we get the crypto. We do that every day and twice on Sunday. So that's the one area where we feel like we have a unique value add to add value from beginning to end as far as crypto is concerned. Yeah. And crypto has taken a beating, you know what I mean? The last, uh, the last, you know, year or so. Right. But, yeah. um, but as everything, right, everything is cyclical mm -hmm. um, and it will be, it's still something that especially uh, younger investors are interested in understanding and knowing more about and mm -hmm. embracing. So I, I think that having that expertise is really, really critical. So so tell me um, a little bit about um, Turnkey. How does that play in to the building for the future? Yeah. So one of the things that is interesting here is, again, the data... You look at the how independent of how anyone listening to this feels about crypto. And again, I'm a minute crypto hippie. I'm punch drunk. I don't know when everyone that knows me knows that. It's almost, I'm more synonymous almost with crypto now than, my, than the name my parents gave me. But, um, <laughs> but the, what happens when the portfolio of the future doesn't look like the portfolios now, right? This is, this is not news. This is going to happen. But also what happens when those portfolios are not managed by the advisor in the same way that they're managed now. So think of turnkey for those that are listening in your audience, right? Advisors and folks in financial services. Think of turnkey of like the buy all accounts or the plaid or yodely of crypto. So basically what we and what I've been trying to tell the wealth management space and advisors for years on this, this is eight years for me, you do not understand 
the amount of crypto that is held away from you. Because it is happening away and that relationship is not started inside of a Orion, Adapar, Fidelity, Schwab or whatever is an entire ecosystem. Here. 90 plus percent of all crypto wealth is held out of the purview of wealth managers and their platforms. Wow. So turnkey is that gateway out that they allow the client to bring that data in just the data, right? Real time, read only data for the advisor to see it, right? So client goes to Coinbase, OWASP, bring that data back into the advisor for it to sit alongside the traditional assets. But the advisor to go, oh, thought I had a $2 million client, but I really have a $4 million client. Exactly. I mean, how can you properly assess a portfolio and the risk and where they're invested in the diversification of that portfolio if you don't see the whole, if you don't have the purview of the whole thing. Right. So could it be as simple as an advisor just saying, hey, by the way, do you have any assets? Do you have any of your assets in crypto? Yep. Like just ask that question, right? Yep. And then, and we, then make it, it, yep, we make it easy for them to just give the client an ability to link it. And then the next thing you know, it's in the platform. That's it. You don't have to touch it. No keys, no Satoshi, no, none of these janky things. Just send the client a link, have them link it, get it back in the platform. Now you can do whatever else you want. Get your real life stories. It's down in, down in Florida. I'm walking, um, finishing my workout in the morning. I'm going to get, you know, some post-workout nourishment and I get a text and it's from someone at Bank of New York Mellon. Client walks in. $14 million potentially in Bitcoin, 14 million. They don't want to touch it. No one wants to touch it. And he's like, I thought of you instantly. Can you help? So the banker doesn't want to touch it. The grandmother is a client of Bank of New York Mellon, right? But here's my grandson doing all this crazy stuff. I don't know. Grandson does it. I, I don't know. I bought it in 2015 and then I left it and I don't, you know, it's a whole thing. Now, imagine if at the genesis of that relationship or they were comfortable enough to just say copy paste here. So just so we can see it. Right. So now that advisor goes, oh, I thought the whole household was 20 million. Now it's really 34. So it's not. And, and here's the beautiful thing about it. Fine. You hate crypto. It's tulip bulbs. It's clowns. It's a circus. Fantastic, Mr. and Mrs. Client, Mr. and Mrs. Advisor. Fantastic. You took a flyer, you own this much crypto. What's interesting is this, which is the, the aim for turnkey, which is why it's called turnkey, T-U-R-N-Q-E-Y for folks keeping score at home. Once that data is in Orion, Adapar, wherever, right. if the advisor sees it in the platform, Black Diamond, you name it, InvestNet, and I can see it in there, and then it pops up and I see X amount of capital gains. I see some estate planning issues. I see risk tolerance out of balance. Now I can just fix all of that. I'm dealing in my circle of competence, which is risk tolerance, which is tax planning, which is trust in estate issues. I'm not talking about layer ones, layer twos, this, that, whatever, blockchains, who cares? So the goal is to strip away all of that complexity, put it in a platform that you know, and the best way I explain it to investors 
and partners or whatever is this. What Turnkey is looking to do is that when someone says, hey, Suzanne, try this, and you go, well, yeah, yeah. it kind of tastes like mayonnaise. Exactly, right? Like, that's what we were aiming for. So what Turnkey is aiming to do is it's always going to be crypto, but if we can kind of, oh, yeah, it kind of tastes like it's ketchup. Yes, it's familiar to them, <laughs> right? It kind of, I can do everything is the same, but it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like a uh, bug protein or something like <laughs> protein. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that new thing, but we tried to get it to be like this, right? Turkey bacon. Right. So I think that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be the Turkey bacon of, uh, of wealth management to get advisors to just see it, put it next to all of the other stuff, run some analysis and have really smart conversations with the client. Cause again, to that point, Clients own it. If they're young, they own it. If they're black and brown, they own it. If they are in tech or they are very entrepreneurial and tech forward, they own it. They've experimented, right? Or they could be just someone who took a flyer years ago and then now they forgot about passwords and this, that, whatever, and they're sitting on a true fortune. The advisor should see that and be able to have conversations around it. And that's what Turnkey hopes to enable. No, I, I mean, it, and it all goes into the importance of holistic planning and yep. being able to see, capture more wallet share, you never know. But I do think having, you know, that with the philosophy of that advisor being in that center position, that nucleus, the air traffic controller mm -hmm. of all of the financial uh, situation that the client has, that that is a really, again, these are, you know, the subject of this of this podcast is really about like future, right? What is yep. the future? And again, you're, you're saying the demographic of the, of the younger advisor that is going to become the primary client, maybe in 20 years is that there are a lot of them that are owning crypto and, and how does an advisor connect with that? I love that. I think that's so, so important from, from your perspective, what, has you like what are some other firms doing like in their either their service offerings or a business model that has you most excited can you give like an example that you think is wow that company is doing something really cool and that will stand the test of time for meeting the the future client needs I am going to rattle the cages here a bit. Uh -oh. One, this is what then, we like. Well, no, that's it. I get, yeah, I'll get on it. Rattle the <laughs> um, And then another one that I think you are very familiar with. I had a conversation with Oleg shortly after I ran, left my last company. I think what Invent is doing is going to be very critical to where the space is going. Um. So very excited about what they're doing. Again, cloud APIs and all that stuff is going to matter. Right. Because, and for our again, audience that doesn't know Oleg, he is kind of like, you only need one name for Oleg. Like, yes, he's on a first name basis <laughs> in the industry. Like Madonna. Yes. But Oleg Tiskevich created a company. Yes, I am uh, a consultant to him. So it's um, they create digital ecosystems and basically are kind of taking the guesswork out of the advisors having to figure out how to integrate with everything they're they're doing it via almost like an an, an apple apple store for um apis so okay great yeah. who else who else is doing something 
really right. exciting. And, and again, to that vein, and I have to, I know it's a bit of a competitor, but I have to mention it, what Mile Marker is doing, because Kyle and the folks, yep. Judd, our, our family love them. But it just goes to show that that's going to matter because the ability for data to transfer and be interoperable is going to be critical here. One, we could spend the next two hours talking about how how crypto networks are going to allow that. But an advisor changes infrastructure somewhere. I can just pick up my whole practice and that data should come with me. I shouldn't leave it here. It should come with me. At 4.1, we believe that a client's financial plan should go with them, right? And our goal is to build our whole RAA on chain. So on chain just meaning on the blockchain, right? So right now our treasury, if I gave you our wallet address, I just posted on Twitter, you can see what our treasury is invested in. You can see a change in real time. You can see us do any of that. Why that's also cool is because what we wanna do with our, we wanna take 10% of our total revenues every year and donate them to charity. You'll be able to see us move that money to a charity every year. So we can't lie about it. Are we actually gonna do that? So it's pretty cool. I love that. And that again, ties back into you know, we've talked about this personally, the importance of for for many, and I think, you know, many, many advisors feel this way, is leaving an impact, right? And and yeah. le- leaving the industry in a better place than than when you came into it. And so by yeah. taking some of the successes, monetary successes that you have in your company and donating it back to a charity that's near and dear to your heart, I think that is the definition of of leaving an impact. So kudos that. to you yeah. for that. That's, um, the, that's, that's the aim. And again, just real quick on that. Our, yeah. Hopefully our legal and counsel will let us, let us go through with that. Yeah. So, wait, but again, it seems like it's possible. We're going to go through all of the disclaimers and everything else, but that is something that we want to do. Um, and, and just really quickly, I got to say this one is just one more. Pershing X. I think what Pershing X is about to do is being very, very underrated um, and underappreciated by folks in our industry. I think Persian X are coming for heads and it's going to be like 300 when that thing launches. And I, I, again, they've they've showed their hand here. I know a lot of folks, oh, it's Pershing and they couldn't. All right. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I know it's not going to be popular because it's, I think Pershing X is their, their offering and what they have paired with some of the things that they've, you know, announced on the the crypto custody side and everything else, I think they're going to have a holistic offering that is going to be next level. So stay tuned for that. That's really interesting because I don't know as much about that. I'm going to have to look into that. And I think um, sometimes when you have a, a technology company that offers too much, and I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost like too much information for people to process. It's almost easier sometimes if you have an offering that specifically addresses, you know, CRM or risk yeah. or, you know, um, so it'll be interesting to, to, I think we'll all start following. I'm going to start following Pershing X. So yeah. thanks for sharing that because I do sure. love to kind of get what are those, what are some of these companies doing that are going to really set up our industry for success in the future? Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about culture. Mm. Um, we didn't used to hear much about it, but it's been front and center now for a couple of years. Um, so what advice do you have on creating a culture that actually embraces inclusivity, which in turn 
drives growth. What what advice do you have from your perspective, both as an industry expert, somebody that's you know grown mm-hmm. businesses, launched businesses, but also as a black man in our industry? Yeah, I think it very easy layup one here is it it starts with the leader, the things that you embody as an individual and as a brand before you actually start, because there are going to be some people that are one of that are going to want to be a part of everything that you do, whether that's employees, whether that's partners, whether that's uh, investors. So I think it starts with you, what you bring to the table, the things that you honor and respect and hold dear, right? And your character, your principles, your morals, these things go into that. It's very hard then to hire to those things because as you hire, you either start to build that culture or you take it away because the hires you make is the culture that you build. It's the company that you build. So you have to find people with like mind and spirit to do that. I think that is so critical. And I think you have to be willing to stand on certain things right away. And what do I mean by that? Even this in this environment, if you want a woman for a particular role, go hire a woman, but be representative and equitable in that opportunity where you say, I want to talk to all types of women, right? And I will make a choice from there. Not just, I'm going to go get a woman and I'm going to get a white woman and I got a woman, right? Or I'm a black woman like this. This way of, oh, we need a, a head of diversity and inclusion. They go get a black woman. Like, it's just, it's so ridiculous now. Let's cut it out, right? It doesn't have to be a black woman, but it's just like this. It needs to stop. But if you want a woman, you should be able to hire a woman and say that. So you start to build those things, but be able to articulate why, not to check a box, but I feel like the the very analytical, thought out, process oriented whether it's a particular role or way, say why that's important to the culture that it is that you want to build. It's very important to me that my niece, who's 20 years old, black woman, mother of three boys, so on and so forth, is at the face of 401, that folks get to know her. Mm-hmm. That's important. They don't need to know me because why? When you look at the demographic shift, a lot of folks are going to resonate, especially the market we're going to, going to look like her. They're going to resonate with her story. They're going to be a part of what it is that she is, that she represents, right? And that could be her mother, my sister, that is a lesbian. That could be her as a, um, again, young black woman that is a mother of three boys married. That could be the first right? Or the second rather, right? After me, college, high school, all of these things, her story is very unique in and of itself. Then you have Eric from Iowa, right? Where both of us from New Jersey, he talks and we're on the calls like, oh my God, is he ever going to finish the sentence? But he's very slow and methodical, right? Grew up in Iowa, couldn't be no different from Amber and I, right? Had his own issues and traumas personally in his family that is different from ours. That's a culture that we've built purposely having you and Lindsay and and, um, Samantha on the board. That's purposeful for me 
I did that on purpose, right? So I think that culture is important and you need to define what culture is, right? I said this on stage from New Jersey. Yes, New Jersey has culture, right? Track is a culture. Um, I'm Caribbean. Caribbean culture is different from Black American culture. Notice I said Black American and not African American. I don't call myself African American. I'm a Black American, right? Mm -hmm. I'm Caribbean American. So these things start to be a culture. I think the other thing is this. If you're trying to build a culture at your firm, look at your website. Is that endearing to, does it, does it look culture right? and define what that may be? And then once folks are in, is there, do I feel welcome to wear my hair this way? Is my name pronounced the right way? The food, the, the events. I say, create a calendar with all of the holidays and things that matter, right? It's pride month. Some firms want to stay away from Pride Month because they don't want anything to do with it. They don't think that should be a thing. God bless you. That's great. We will embrace that at 4-1. But no matter what lens you go, that's okay. But be able to defend it and stand on it and do it for the right purposes. Because the culture that we want to create is one of exclusivity and tolerance. Tolerance meaning you walk in with pink hair or you're going through a transition, that's great. But also tolerance of our brothers and sisters that may be like my mother, culture, Pentecostal Christian who struggled with my sister and still does being a lesbian and having being a married lesbian with a child in the household. My mother had a fit because she still makes a plate for Jesus every day. <laughs> and, and if you know Pentecostal Christians, there's Christians. And then there's this one group that is Pentecostal Christians, incredibly conservative. Jesus is coming back today. Blood washed Pentecostal Christians. Right. So I'd imagine my mother having to deal with that leads to a sense where the tolerance for me goes, I want to be tolerant of those folks as well. If it doesn't sit right with you, that's great. Be able to express that, sit in it, feel it, but it's not going to change what we do. It's not going to change how we love. It's not going to change the advice that we give, but I feel like you should feel that way. You don't like black people? Great. Don't like them over here. Like, Don't like them over there. I just think what we've done in this country has gotten incredibly divisive. And the culture conversation now is why it's so incredibly important that you're having this conversation is this. The minute you start to talk about culture now, it's it starts to get this Venn diagram with wokeism, right? Yeah. And by the way, I still don't know what this woke thing is. For those out there that are using woke, you need to get woke on woke because you're not even using it right. That's <laughs> get the woke first on thing. woke. Yeah. So you're mad. Yeah. Get woke on woke. You're mad for no reason. Go to the genesis of it. And it's been co-opted now to be this narrative where now it's, you bring it up and then all of a sudden any type of change is done. So anyway, not to go off on that challenge, but folks out there get woke on woke. The culture part, though, I think, again, just to, to put a button on it is a ribbon on it rather is to identify the core values and things that you are going to hold near and dear every day, not months, not holidays, not tragedies. Every single day, are we making sure that the women that we've purposely brought in are not mansplained? They're not overtalked. They have a voice. The whole point of it is, is to make sure that you are being totally inclusive. And as I said on stage, just simply 
not being inclusive in terms of an initiative, but inclusive in including yourself in that change. I love that. You said so many important things, and I'm going to take that one as your last line, which again, so, so important for the future. Um, So again, Tyrone, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your experiences today all around what it takes to be successful now and in the future. Your voice is an important one for our entire industry to hear and to see. So I am Suzanne Syracuse. Thank you for listening and tune in next week when I sit down with Christy Rodriguez, Senior Vice President of the Retirement Institute of Nationwide Financial and President of the Financial Alliance for Racial Equity. Tyrone, fabulous as usual. Thank you again for being my guest and thank you all for listening. Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies, everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor.